for real stories on how global business gets done. This is Supply Chain Unfiltered, presented by the Institute for Supply Management. Well, I hope you've got a pair of gloves close by, you know, whatever, latex, landscaping, <laughs> whatever, because today um, may require you to roll up your sleeves. Uh, we're going to get a little dirty. We are discussing cleaning up dirty data before, before you start with the chat GPT. Thought it was oh, a very, yeah. yes, very topical needs to be discussed and helping us sort through it all is the founder of The Classification Guru, Susan Walsh. How are you? Hello, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? Uh, I am anxious to get into this because, you know, I, everywhere, everywhere you turn these days, it's, you know, uh, we're talking about AI, machine learning, uh. and, right, <laughs> and chat GPT, and everyone's like, you know, all hands on deck and everybody dive in and it's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, maybe there's some things we need to be thinking about first. Um, so yeah. I, so when, when I came across uh, you, I met you at the ISM um, 2023 uh, conference a few, few weeks ago, maybe that's a month, oh, month that was ago. So good. Wasn't it great? It was fun. Yeah. So uh, you, you know, what you do intrigued me and in light of all the AI stuff going on, I thought, Gosh, you your timing with your business is just absolutely impeccable. So if you could take us back to when you first started the business, I mean, how did that come about? Did you were you seeing something within, you know, data that you thought, okay, this is uh, something that is not being met yet and I need to take care of that? Or did it just kind of naturally evolve? Bit of both, really. I had spent five years working for a spend analytics company. And previous to that, I had no experience in procurement or data. And wow. so the only knowledge and experience I had was, was hands-on learning at this company. Uh, and when it came to look for another job, I didn't know where I could get a role doing the same thing. I didn't even know what my job was called. And so the kind of really the only way I could continue to do what I love doing was to start my own business. But obviously, you know, the main focus of the spend analytics company was the sexy dashboards that give you all the information. <laughs> what I knew behind that was like 80, 90% of just pure cleaning and classifying and spent supplier data that was messy and sticking it together. And I thought there must be companies out there that need that service. Mm. And at this time, there were no in-house BI teams. There were no in-house analysts. There were no procurement analysts. Those roles didn't exist. Everything was outsourced at that point. But I, I had this real feeling that people would need this. And I went to my first uh, exhibition, uh, got a booth and was in the UK Spoke to a lot of people, got some really great feedback, got a lot of, where were you six months ago when I needed you? <laughs> uh, and I knew that I was on to something, but I also knew that nobody else was really offering this as a standalone service. And so I had to find a way to get creative, to get noticed. So it's it's been a very challenging, not chat well, running a business is challenging, but it's been a long six years, but it's really starting to pay off now. And, and if you could stay in that space of when you first started the business um, and, and remembering how data looked back then, you know, what you were dealing with at that point, 
and now uh, move it forward to where we're at now. Um, has any anything in particular changed, and are there specific areas of concern we need to be mindful of? It's terrifying to say that nothing, <laughs> nothing, and I mean nothing, has changed. Oh, uh, wow. Companies have been sold the myth that if you buy our tool or our software, it's going to fix all your problems or it's going to do all the work. I can't tell you the number of times I get called in by clients to fix what another spend analytics company has done mm. their work. So it's it's you know it's not unusual, and unfortunately. You know, we have to be realistic about the fact that spend data classification is so subjective. It's very contextual. It's not a black or white answer. There can be more than one right answer. It's very difficult. And to train some AI and machine learning with that is tricky. I would say we're only starting to get close to that this year with the introduction of chat GPT and uh, is it LLMs? Our MMLs, mm-hmm. language, large what, language models or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Um, we're, we're only starting to get close now, but the myth of that being the truth has been sold for a number of years. Hmm. And and so let, let's address that for a second. So for companies that are uh, entertaining, implementing uh, generative AI um, or uh, have already done so, what, um, let's see, what would you recommend? Um, I mean, should they hold off, stop, stop where they are in the process and um, move ahead and do the data cleaning? Um, because if they uh, don't, is there a certain kind of hot mess they can expect? I would say go and experiment and play, try around, but you have to know where that data is coming from, where that the information is being sourced from you need to you need somebody who knows if it's going to be right or wrong in the output that's so important it's it's not about you know saying oh it's rubbish and don't use it but it's just being about really cautious you know you know has clean data gone into the training data sets do you know where the source of this data is from if not be very careful with it and understand that it might not be right and and will it be problematic if if you know with AI it's you you enable more data faster, and then if you're adding that onto what you already have, but then you haven't gone through and cleaned what's already oh. there, isn't isn't that an issue? Oh, you're spreading more mess around. <laughs> just 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 duplicating triplicating the the actual effort that it will need to clean and tidy it up and and that's why it's so important and, and we're really honest about the fact that you know we we're we're a team of people we don't we use automation but we're really very smart about it we the, the majority of the work we do is is kind of handcrafted by people who have been doing this for a very long time decades between us we've got experience and so, you know, we, we know what to look for and what not to look for. And so let's talk about the, the data cleaning process for a second. You've specifically developed a system called Coat. Yes, like the yes. visual, you know, imagine a red coat with shiny gold buttons on it. Uh, <laughs> yes, um, not too far but, off. But, so can you explain Coat to us a little bit? Yeah, 
I came up with this because I have a team. And so we split up a client's file between four or five people and everybody's classifying it slightly differently. And we need to make sure that that distant uh, data is consistent across the board. So when the client looks at it, they go, why do we have mixed classifications for Microsoft or LinkedIn or IBM when there shouldn't be? So I wanted to put something in place to help prevent that. And I also realized that a lot of people who input data and work with data are not necessarily data people, particularly in the procurement space. It's a category manager that has to classify their own spend data. So I came up with something that was really fun and easy to remember and not too intimidating, and that's the data coat. So I say, make sure your data has its coat on. First of all, it's (laughs) got to be consistent. So we have, you know, we're global organizations doing business globally across with many different countries. Are we using the same date formats? Probably not. In fact, if I do this, ask this question on a webinar, you get about five, six different answers, even from a group of 10 people. Everybody's using different date formats. You could have a unit of measure issue. Are we talking centimeters or inches? (laughs) Uh, It could be a lot of different things. Are we processing and inputting the data in the same way? It could be really hard. And so that helps to make sure that everything is consistent and everyone's doing things the same way as much as possible. Then once you have that, you have to have organized data. And that means different things depending on what you want to get out of your data. So you shouldn't just have everything just because you think you might need it one day. Have a look at what you actually need. And that could be categorizing it by region, by country, by division, by business unit, by subsidiary. So that if someone comes to you and says, oh, how much did you buy of a a bottle in Canada in 2016? You've got it there. You can just pull off really quickly. Then, of course, it's got to be accurate. And again, this is very much dependent on which part of the business you're working in and what you need. So obviously finance, you have to have 100% accuracy with your numbers and your reporting. Sales and marketing, it might be more of we need this information on a client or a potential customer. You have to populate all those fields. So once you have that consistency and that organized data and it's accurate, guess what? You have trustworthy data. And (laughs) I hear all the time, we don't trust our data. And it would be foolish to say that you'll ever have 100% accurate data, but you can certainly do things to minimize it. And by getting your whole team involved in the data coat, if they're working and remembering that, it might just help them be a bit more thorough when they're inputting their data. And, And over the course of the years you've spent helping other companies clean it up, so to speak, um, do you have any horror stories that come to mind that you want to share? So many, the count. I think everybody thinks they've got the worst data and the reality (laughs) is they they don't. I've always generally seen something worse. It's it's normally data in different systems. They don't know how much, they don't have any visibility on spend. They think they're spending 20 million on office supplies, but actually it's 50 million and it's like 200 suppliers. And, and they have no idea. And, you know, I remember a particularly challenging project was it was 4,000 suppliers. It was a supplier name only. 
and we only had the country that 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 supplier was from and a lot of this was asia so it was particularly challenging but we did it 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 nearly killed me (laughs) and at the end of it the the client then realized that they had about two, one or 2,000 consultants on their books that they had then were kind of managing off their supplier list. So that the the value of doing that was, was so powerful, even though it was the most horrible data set because it just didn't have any information. A lot of a lot of how it was classified was me thinking, okay, I found this company. Would would my client buy from them or use their services? And if it's a yes, then we'll classify it as that. If it's a no, then we'll look for something else. There, there are little patterns you can find in the data, like um, in, in the Chinese or Japanese uh, language. If it's two or three characters long, it tends to be a person, which is quite easy to mm. then classify as a consultant. And that was like 99% of the time those two or three characters were a person's name so that helped so there's things you can do to to help make it a little bit easier and it must be i mean immensely cumbersome when you are dealing with uh a business that uh works across multiple markets um yeah i mean that that just adds insult to injury, I would imagine, when you're trying to get um, clarity on the data that you have. Because Again, I would imagine country to country, they classify things differently. I mean, is, is, is yeah, that a thing? I, when we get clients' data, I tend to build them a new customized taxonomy for, the, ah. for them as well. And I always say that it's actually better to start from scratch and classify from the ground up. So we'll pull all the data together and we'll only use existing classification if we're really stuck on what a supplier might do. And then it keeps the consistency, it keeps it organized, keeps it more accurate and hopefully trustworthy. And how are you able to go through this, um, I'll say, cleaning process and allow businesses to continue to function? I mean, is there... You know, is there a risk? Not for them. We never, ever work inside their system. We always ask for Excel files or CSVs, and we will pull that data together and then send it back to them. And sometimes they'll give us a unique ID that they can then import back into their system. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they choose to run the data separately because quite often procurement can't get what they need from the business, so they kind of go off and do it themselves. Okay. Uh, and, and now that we've, you know, we've had a good look at what you're, what you've handled now, how you came to be, can we project forward and let, let's use a, um, I'll say a favorite benchmark, like the year 2030. How dirty, uh, how, I know, imagine it'll, it'll be here. I'm, I'm hoping to be on a beach with some cocktails <laughs> by then. I'm joining. Uh, <laughs> but how, how dirty do you think our data can be by then? And do you think AI is going to have a negative or positive role in our data integrity down the road? That is such a good question. I, If you'd asked me that a few years ago, I would be like, yep, yeah, AI is going to have it all sorted. We're all good. I have seen a huge increase in the need for our services. And mm. that's because a lot more data is being used by a lot more people. 
and they're not all experienced people or data people and they're inputting the wrong information. There's a huge piece around training your teams properly from the start and a cult, bit of a culture change there. Again, it's it's not like a blanket answer for the AI question because there are pockets of particularly procurement where it's fantastic. If you're buying lots of MRO, so maintenance, repair and ops parts, like nuts, bolts, screws, AI automation is great for picking up that stuff and classifying it. Anything that's more complex, it, it, then it's really hard. Same with you know, the use of um, building contracts or statements of work, you know, yes, use automation to do that, but please, please get a legal person <laughs> and, and a procurement person to check it first because there there's inevitably going to be gaps. And, you know, we even have to think about the fact that people might try to sabotage the data pool. So the, the data that it's learning from, companies might actually be be intentionally putting dirty data into that pool to Ooh. i don't know uh sabotage their their competitors data sets or something i mean it, it, i've heard it happens in other tools it's not a kind of uh um a tinfoil hat theory that i'm conspiracy theory mm. that i've just made up it, it, it could potentially happen so Again, it's let's not blindly trust the AI. Let's let you know it's going to do some great jobs that we hate doing as people that take a long time that are open to mistakes. Uh, you know, we've seen that with RPA. You know, they scan contracts now, and it's far more accurate than than a human ever could be. So I think we need to, you know, make the most of it where we know it really works, and where we're not so sure, we need to just have a bit more caution. Makes sense. Um, so let, let's, um, I want to get a little cheeky for a second, if that's okay. <laughs> well, you started it. What I mean by that <laughs> yeah, <I did. laughs> is that you have this book called Between the Spreadsheets. And I, I mean, I, how could anyone ever forget that title? I mean, come on. That's it. So <laughs> do, you, do you know how hard I had to fight with the publisher to get that title? It was, it was tough. Oh. But every single person I mentioned it to laughed when I told them. Yeah, and it's, it's like, great. that's the response I want. You know, data quality, data accuracy, data management is super boring and not <laughs> interesting to most people. And so we have to do things to, to grab people's attention, not just the data people, but the non-data people too, or the procurement people. It's It's a collaborative team effort to keep data clean. We all need to be involved and we need to just make it a little bit more fun, exciting. <laughs> yeah. So is there a favorite tidbit from the book that you, you know, can impart? On One, this? The most popular chapter is the data horror stories oh. chapter. <laughs> and that was um, I collected via an online forum some anonymous donations from people who told their data stories. Yeah. And people love it because it's real life examples of, of things that have happened that people can relate to. Yeah. My favorite story from that section is that there was a, a motoring association who had something had slipped in the database. So like the names didn't match up with the addresses now, things like that. And so 
a large chunk of the mail was went to the right address but was named for the wrong person. <laughs> and then the sales department wanted to not sue but claim money back from the data department because they'd messed up. But then, of course, data people being data people went and reviewed the data. <laughs> right. And they actually found that it didn't have an impact on renewals. Even though it was addressed to the wrong person, people still, on the whole, renewed. So I think it all got sorted out in the end. But what a fantastic story. Yeah. Well, I and I, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, uh, data in and of itself you know if you look at the face value of it it does it doesn't lie but how we tend to take meaning up from the data or manipulate it yes. that's when this stuff there's, gets a little muddy there's another great yeah on the procurement side there's another great example where mobile massage had come to the office you know to to give workers um some massage and because it had the word mobile in it it was automatically classified as as telecoms <laughs> I see that all the did, time. If you just do a simple keyword search on stuff like that, yeah. you're going to get in trouble. Did they? Did the company go with it, or did they reclassify it? <laughs> uh, who knows? <laughs> well, I wanted to know because if it works, you know, I might have to try that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and can you um, direct us into where to get more details about what you do? Absolutely. Well, there's the classificationguru.com website, which has a lot of information. But if you want like daily updates, hints and tips, a different way to try and sell procurement within your organization, then you should head to my LinkedIn page, Susan Walsh, the classification guru. Um, I'm very much about training and sharing my knowledge, and I've got lots more content coming up over the summer, so it's a good place to go. Oh, great. We look forward to it. Thanks for uh, helping us out today, Susan. I'm never going to look at my so data much. the same way again. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Thank you so much, and looking forward to Thank having you. you back. All right. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you. And uh, please check out all of our podcast episodes, ismworld.org. You'll find lots of uh, great information to help you through your day. Um, also, please check out um, other aspects of the ismworld.org website. We have so many fantastic resources, lots of content to keep you in the know about what's happening and also enlighten you on what, what we can expect to come. I'm Melanie Stern for ISM, and this is Supply Chain Unfiltered.